1: Jesus said he must be about his father's business. In other words, what he was saying is he was doing what his father loved. Are we doing the same? Let's talk about that. Doing what God loves. That's the title of our message today. It's a continuation of a message we began yesterday right here on Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard from Valley Bible Church in Hercules. We're in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and we're looking at what God loves and then doing our best to do what God loves as a response to His love for us. Join us for the marvelous details, won't you? With today's edition of Truth For Today, once again, here's Pastor Phil Howard.
2: In chapter 10 through 13 of Second Corinthians is considered by some scholars to be a separate epistle. It comes across uh, harsh. Uh, it comes because it is a section that in the book, you've got chapters 1 through 7, he describes his ministry. 8 through 9, he's taking an offering for the poor saints in Jerusalem. Chapter 10 through 13, he is uh, defending his ministry against the critics. And it's primarily Judaizers, false teachers that have infiltrated. They usually dog his steps wherever he goes and starts a church. It will not be long, but the Judaizers are there to undo the work. And uh, look at chapter 11 and verse 4 and see what kind of uh, false apostles he was dealing with. For if someone comes to you and preaches a Jesus other than the Jesus we preached, or if you receive a different spirit from the spirit you received, or a different gospel, they're giving you a different gospel, another way to know Christ. Other than the one you accepted, you put up with it easily. You're very tolerant of guys lying to you in the name of the gospel. Lying to you in the name that they are apostles. They're lying. uh, They say Paul's not an apostle. He has no authority. His message isn't from God. So... Here's what happened. It's a very awkward place to be. Uh, To defend the gospel, he has to defend the messenger of the gospel. Paul brought the gospel when they were nothing but pagans. None of these Judaizers were around. None of the false guys showed up. But now that a work is going, that a congregation is formed, They've decided to come in and undercut Paul and not just say he's a little off. He's not the apostles that we are. We have letters from Jerusalem that says we're apostles. So as it were, in chapter 10 to 13, he puts on apostolic gloves and he steps in the ring. And he's going to do some things that are so self-revealing that uh, it's the most personal inside look that even apostles live with criticism. And more than that, their church was already being undermined by false teachers. Now, the big challenge I have is what in the world about this is relevant to your life? You came in here, and you want some immediate answers and you're not an apostle. Someone asked, what is uh, an apostle. And they say it's the father of an epistle. So that's about as much as you know right now. And so. I want to look at three things. In the passage. First of all. Spiritual warfare is described. Spiritual warfare. Verses 1 through 6. Two. Spiritual authority. <clears throat> spiritual authority. Is defended. And thirdly. Uh, Spiritual ministry is measured, is measured. So uh, he's going to describe spiritual warfare. Verses 1 through 6. I am at war, he says. Uh, Notice that. We pick it up. By the meekness and gentleness of Christ, I appeal to you. I, Paul, who am timid when face to face with you, that's sarcasm, but bold towards you when away, I beg you that when I come, I may not have to be bold as I expect to be towards some people, this opposing minority, who think that we live by the standards of the world and that word world, it ought to be the flesh. They're saying, I am acting out of fleshly motives. I'm uh, in the flesh. Uh, I'm not even a guy that walks in the spirit. So they question my motives and my modus operandi. For though we live in the flesh, and that is his humanity uses flesh two ways. In my human existence, I'm not walking after the ethical sin nature. Though I'm a human being, I'm not walking after fleshly desires. That's what he's saying. But he's being charged that he does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world or the flesh. The weapons. ah, So we now are taking on military battle language. The weapons. What. Does that mean that he went around with a large sword as an apostle? The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the flesh. On the contrary, they have divine power. Mm, Now listen to this. What weapons I am using have divine power behind them to do what? To demolish strongholds. Where are the strongholds? It's the language of a fort. He actually says, I use a spear to capture a fort and to take captives. Well, where are the strongholds? Watch. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we are taking captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And we will be ready to punish every act of disobedience once your obedience is complete. Majority, keep obeying. When we get there, we will deal with the disobedient. We are in a battle. We are in a war. And it's a war for the mind. We're going after mental strongholds. We're going after wrong thinking, wrong arguments, thoughts that have exalted themselves above the knowledge of God. Other words, it's secret knowledge. It's uh, you remember Adam and Eve. If you eat the fruit, you'll get to know things that only God knows. Superior knowledge. It's quite interesting. When you read the literature on spiritual warfare, they'll always put it, you versus a demon. I'm in a struggle. There's no demon mentioned here. No demons. Now, there could be demonic influence, but the way it shows up is in the thinking, is the viewpoints, uh, is the philosophy. Uh... They're coming in with another gospel. Uh, They have different uh, ways to measure what an apostle is. Uh, I've been engaged in warfare in all of my ministry. I'm taking on people that say you're saved by works. You're saved by being Jewish. You're saved by merit. Uh, uh, I'm engaged with Greek philosophers who despise the gospel. They don't think a... A Jewish man dying on the cross pays for anybody's sins. They don't believe a thing I'm saying. And to reject me is why they reject this message. And I'm in a battle for their minds. I want to say this. One of the deaths of the church today is to be a mindless Christian. Uh, That's a nice way of saying Dumb saints, saints that don't know anything about why they believe what they believe. That uh, I'm amazed, one of our brothers came to me, I challenged some men in our deacons, elders meeting, I said, so many of you don't even know what you've got in Christ, you can't name me anything you've got in Christ. Uh, I'd say in this church, 95% of this church doesn't know what justification by faith is. And I've been teaching it for 47 years. But you still remain mindless about it. You've never made it a priority to find out what it means. And this man came to me a few weeks ago. He had a list. He found 11 things he was in Christ. I said, man, that's fantastic. Keep looking. There's about 100 more. What do you know? What do you know about the gospel? We're trying to get you to witness sometimes, and you can't even explain it. You, do you think there are such Christians as that? Did you come to church to be called a dummy? No. But I'm telling you, the battle, the warfare is for the mind, for the thinking, for the viewpoint. Let, let's, let's just take for an example today in our day. Do you think we're battling for the minds of young people that are buying in a different worldview than what you grew up with? Uh, let's uh, let's get, take an example. Let's say evolution. Okay, I'm again, I'm for it. Just think of that view coming out of the 1800s with Darwin. Uh, we can foo-foo it away, but it probably affects every biology department and every university in the country. It's assumed we're seen as the dumb dummies, the church, that we're some far-right, obscure, uh, ignorant bunch because we haven't got on board. Evolution affects your worldview, where we came from, humanity, all of that. Uh, That's why abortion ought to be easy. It's just an evolving piece of matter anyway. So don't get all uptight. So, you've got that as a grid. We've got this view that's a part of culture. If you're, let's say, let's put you under 30. uh, A philosophy of what is maturity is to be tolerant. And why? Why? I mean, we kind of, your kids have been holding that view forever. Be tolerant, Dad. Uh, Let up. But it's all in ethics. It's a permeating view. Uh, No matter what the view is at the table, your maturity is measured by your tolerance of the opposing view. Why be tolerant? Because there is no truth to start with. What's to get uptight about? You're just as entitled to your view as I am mine, right? So... We're both entitled to be telling a lie and still respect each other. Two plus two equals nine. Well, that's your view. Well, man, that's okay if that's the way you feel about it. I'm not going to disagree. What if I made change for you at the bank with a tolerant view? You gave me a 100, and I feel you only have 20 coming back. I just feel it. It's just in my ethics. Just wait. You said, uh, you, you shortchanged me. No, it's the way we do math here. You just kind of going how you feel for the day. I'll take a cut. You're crazy. You better give me the exact change. There is no exact change. This is a tolerant bank. <laughs> you laugh at it. Let's go over here to ethics. Intolerance. Some apologists have said we have not a leg to stand on with a tolerant view of ethics to ever bring Hitler to trial because we have no way of saying what he did was wrong. If you want to kill blacks and you want to kill gypsies and you want to kill Jews and you've got the power to do it, help yourself. It's not wrong. And you say, oh, It is wrong. Who told you it was wrong? In the tolerant philosophy, nothing's wrong. Except that the view you just said is wrong. Because there's no moral law. There's nothing agreed upon. Natural law, we call it. That where do we, and yet all uh, courtroom proceedings for centuries has operated off of a mosaic ethic that there are things that are wrong. Those are things that are wrong. It's wrong to molest your sister according to the law of Moses. And they came over. Incest is wrong. It's not today. Not on a philosophical argument basis. You act shocked because you're over 30. The world's changed. The world doesn't think like you. It doesn't think like me. We grew up with, even in family systems that were not Christian, there was an ethic there of right and wrong. I'm talking about the way people think. Let me ask you this, who shaped your thinking? We all think something. We've all got a view on money, sex, morality, gender, uh, I mean life, how to raise children. Where did, what shaped you? How did you get there? Somebody shaped you. Some of you, maybe the Bible. Some of you, your parents, hopefully. Uh, And uh, they call it epistemology. What was it that determined what you came to believe? And Paul is saying, I'm in a war, I'm in the philosophy department of Greece. I went to Corinth. The Greek world is right there. Athens is only about 40 miles north. When I came to town, I got into a war and a battle in the arena for the thoughts of the Corinthians. That there is a God. He will judge. Right and wrong exists. And there's battle. And it's the same battle we're in today. Look, the average American watches six hours a day of TV, six hours. The average American, I'd say that I know, does well to read two books a year. The average Christian has not read their Bible through in a year. Uh, they, They keep the family Bible on the TV, but they don't crack it. They don't know their Bible. They don't study their Bible. That they're dumb stool pigeons to be deceived. Why don't you know what justification is? Why don't you know your Bible? What's keeping the battle for the mind? The devil wants your mind. He wants you to watch uh, Fox News all day because that shapes your mind. And you could be a red hot fanatic, uh, Republican, conservative. So what? That's not what our age is dying for. They need the gospel. They need Christ. They need to be saved. Are you full of that message? No, I, I could talk to somebody. You bleed politics. You bleed. You're mad about something. Most old people are mad about something all the time. They call us cranky Christians. Yeah, all these young people are going to hell. I know. Could you defend the faith? could you step in the ring with them? Let me tell you why this is wrong. Let me show you the biblical view. Let me show you. Let's have a Bible study together. Let's see the truth project together. Have you heard a truth? The truth sets you free. And Paul said, I'm storming mental stronghold, mental castles. And I'm going in there with the spear of the gospel. And I'm trying to Break the chains that have incarcerated you. I want to lead you to the liberty you find in Christ. And it's a fight. It's a fight for the souls of people. For the minds of people. And it's a fight in your own life to think right. Whatsoever is holy. Whatsoever is pure. Whatsoever is gentle. Think on these things, and the peace of God shall guard your hearts and minds. Paul said, practice what I'm telling you, and you'll have peace. The battle is, what will I think on this week? What have, what have I been thinking on? Am I thinking right? You remember Romans 12, two, Stop being conformed to the age thinking, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. He's got to start. The Christian life is lived from the shoulders up. There's your heart in the Bible. The heart of man is between his ears. It's not this. That's a pump. That's a physical heart. Your spiritual heart is between your ears. It's how you think. It's how you think. He goes on. In the midst of this battle... I'm having these false apostles say, I don't have any authority. I'm just a Johnny come lately. They've got their credentials. They're doing good. And he finally takes up the argument. He said, "Uh, wait a minute here. You are judging by appearances, verse 7. If anyone is confident that they belong to Christ, they should consider again that we belong to Christ. Just as much as they do. Here he's having to defend. I really am a Christian. They're, they're questioning, "Who are you, Paul? We don't accept your credentials." You having to. He said, "Wait. Let's first of all get this. I do know him. Think of it. Having to. It'd be about like me being on trial, and I'd have to first give my testimony to convince you that I was a Christian. That's what he's doing." Now watch this. So even if I boast somewhat freely about the authority the Lord gave us for building you up. Rather than tearing you down. I will not be ashamed of it. Then he quotes their sarcasm of him. They say, you write bold letters but you're basically a coward when you see his face to face. And he said, oh no, no, no. I'll be as bold when I'm with you as when I write your letter. But he says something powerful. I have authority to do what I'm doing is what he's telling them. But he says, my authority is not like the Gentiles who can put a sword to your throat and subjugate you. God's given us authority to build you up. To build you up. Some of you hate to go to doctors. I mean, nobody in their spare time says, I need to go see the doctor. But uh, men are especially, hate to go to doctors. They can be in the last stages of something before they make an appointment. They're known for that. It's it's quite a a submission to go to somebody and say, I put my uh, personal biology before you and I trust you to get me better. Had a man share with me today... uh, they think cancer is in a certain part of his body. could be life-threatening. And uh, the question is, will he give that man any authority over his body to prescribe? Or would he say, you don't have any authority over me. Well, go ahead and die of cancer. You can't get any access to my ability unless you're willing to submit to my authority. Does that, are you following me? Because see, you're, you're autonomous Americans. Nobody tells you what to do. That's our makeup. We've never been under a king. You know, we, we threw him out of town in Philadelphia. You don't tax us anymore. We're very autonomous, independent people. It's terrible for church life because you don't know what community is. We're, we're fine without you.